0: Hello and welcome to a midsummer episode of Banter on the Parkway. I am your host, Brian from bannersontheparkway.com, and I am joined as always by a man with no spine. It's Brad. How are you doing, Brad?
1: Um, Well, usually I'm kind of chilly while we record because I do these from my studio slash closet, but it's the summer now. So the same insulation problem makes me cold in the winter has made me rather warm right now. Still drinking a cup of hot tea while we do this. Good to see you guys again. Haven't seen you in a while. I know.
0: And I'm proud of us for not making any in the closet jokes about you the entirety of last season. Um, Not to promise that's going to keep up. Uh, but we're also joined by the the recently crowned uh, NBA Finals MVP. It's Braden.
2: Braden, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, actually, I was crowned Finals MVP on 2K last night, so thank you for noticing. Um, I'll be doing an autograph circuit here shortly, so stay tuned for that. Wow, really? Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> that's that's nice for you. Um, a couple <laughs> of general news items uh, to to I guess touch base on. It's been uh, a while since we recorded, so these are mostly old news. Uh, but the first is that name, image, and license rights have finally been given to college uh, athletes, well, college basketball players, college athletes of, of all stripes. Um, and I don't know that that necessarily changes a, a huge amount for, um, for Xavier specifically, but um, Brad... I know this is uh, a fight that has been going on probably since, I mean, you and I were kids when Ed O'Bannon really kind of started to uh, um, shine, shine a light on on what exactly was going on here. Um, so, so just what is the lowdown on the name, image, and license finally being uh, given to the players, and why did it take this long?
1: Um, why it took this long is because the NCAA wants to make as much money for as little money as they possibly can. Um, that is kind of the way the market has worked for them for years and years. So they wanted to keep that going. Uh, the long, the less you pay your labor, the more profit you make. So obviously they've been able to keep doing that. This is the first step towards the NCAA have to rec- having to recognize that these guys are their cash cow. Um, now, though, the kids can actually earn some money. Um, some of them have done endorsement deals with, Uh, local businesses I've seen already. Uh, Two young men have been approached by an adult website uh, to lend their, I guess, college kid expertise to the best places on the internet to seek out people engaged in adult activity, which I guess, if you're looking for someone to endorse that, a young man around the age of 20 is probably about the best. Um, But mostly it means that guys can make money while they're in college. Uh, you and I, all three of us, held jobs while we were in college and had no problems with that. Um, we'll say we slid one past the NCAA they're not, uh I'm not sure they were real interested in our endeavors. But a regular college athlete who plays for an NCAA team couldn't do that. Now they can. They can make some money off the fact that they're very good at what they do. Uh, that only seems right here in America. Anybody else can go make money. If you're good playing your guitar in college, you can put out an album and get paid for it. Um, Or you can just hang around in the local square trying to pick up girls, which I think is pretty much what every white kid with an acoustic guitar does in college. Uh, But anybody else could make money. Now athletes can make money. It makes sense. What I'm really hoping this leads to is an NCAA basketball game, if I'm being 100 percent honest. Um, They're already talking about bringing back NCAA football from EA Sports. I'd love to see 2K um, even just add college teams into the game that they already have or something like that. From a purely selfish standpoint, that's the uh, headline here for me.
0: Yeah, I've not seen very many people um, going the other way on this. I think most most everyone recognizes this is a good thing. I'm sure John Rothstein had something stupid to say about it. But um, you know what? I... Uh, my life is better for not reading the stupid things John Rothstein has to say if, about things, so I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, the other part of uh, college basketball news that's probably going to affect Xavier in this upcoming season is that DePaul and Marquette both have new coaches. Um, Dave Latos, uh Rain uh, at DePaul um, finally came to an end, sadly, for the other 10 teams in the Big East. Um, they brought in Oregon assistant Tony Stubblefield, um, who's supposed to be a really good recruiter. We'll see if he can get kids in Chicago to stay home and play at DePaul. Um, And then Marquette got rid of uh, Steve Wojciechowski, probably rightfully so, and brought in uh, former Texas and VCU coach Shaka Smart, who, while he had great success in the tournament at VCU, getting them all the way to the final four, um, never won a tournament game at Texas. So he's been a bit of a mixed bag in his career. Um, Braden, uh, do you have any quick thoughts on those two guys joining the Big East?
2: Just a quick thing about Stubblefield. He's had one head coaching position in his entire coaching career. It was at New Mexico State where he went 2 and 12 as an interim head coach. So he'll look to continue the Lado legacy of being mm-hmm. just terrible at everything. Um, And like you said with Shaka Smart, he's been kind of a mixed bag between VCU being that mid-major making a deep run, and then Texas, he had a very good team this last year that kind of choked in the first round, but he's got that uh, identity that he gets into most of his teams, which is fouling for 94 feet and getting away with most of it, so he'll probably look to do that at Marquette. Um, It might take him a few years to kind of get the guys in to do it, but... You never know, he might just get him up and running with that uh, particular style of play right from the get-go. I mean, you go
0: 2-12 at DePaul, and your name is in the rafters at whatever whatever their, their gym is called, um, because that is heady stuff right there, <laughs> if you can win it 2 out of 14. Anyway, um, enough bagging on DePaul for now. There is basketball being played right now. It's not college basketball, but it does have to do with Xavier. Um, it's the basketball tournament, which is uh, going on right now. Uh, the Xavier team played their first game last night. Um, so, Brad, why don't you walk us through what is uh, the basketball tour- tournament?
1: Uh, first, a quick correction. Xavier's team has not played yet. They met together for the first time last night. Um, right. They uh, played some five-on-five today, which was fun to watch. The basketball tournament is essentially – I would call it almost a spiritual successor to the old Gus Macker tournaments, Bry, that you probably remember a little bit, where in theory anyone can enter for a chance to win a million dollars. The entries are screened now. So if you guys were thinking that we were going to grab Joel and maybe a couple of our favorite followers off of Twitter and jump into the tournament, um, I don't think that's likely. I don't think my 12 collegiate points are going to uh, impress the selection committee enough to get us in there. Um, It's a 64-team tournament, which is obviously the best size for a field for anything uh, that is played out um, across the country, kind of. It's going to culminate right here in Ohio, unfortunately, in Dayton. Uh, But Xavier starts their games in Columbus. Uh, I call them Xavier. They're actually team zip them up because no team is actually named after their college, Um, though there are some pretty funny plays on words based on schools. But it's a 64-team tournament for a million-dollar pot. It started back in 2014. Uh, Some friends were texting back and forth saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if players could just get together in the summer, make teams play, and see who was the best? And to their credit, they turned that into um, a really fun basketball tournament. It's great to watch um, if you really start for basketball and the NBA is not your thing. Uh, I know Braden is just coming off that NBA Finals MVP. I wasn't sure whether you were being serious with that or not because I didn't watch any of the NBA Finals, so I thought maybe he had been. Um, I mean, and- he could have been. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was, it was Phoenix and Milwaukee, um, and the Greek guy with the really hard-to-say name apparently did really well, and I, I heard an Instagram Live of him trying to convince Chick-fil-A to give him free chicken nuggets since he had just won the NBA Finals last night. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Giannis, that's his name. Anyway, the basketball tournament. The basketball tournament is a uh, 64 team tournament for a million bucks. Everybody throws an entry in the top 64 teams are picked off. They go. It's single elimination, just like the NCAA tournament. It's big conceit is that it uses the Elam ending um, which some fans will be familiar with now from the NBA all-star game this year, but the Elam ending uh, basically means that with four minutes to play, they turn off the clock and they play to eight points more than whatever the leading team has. And obviously, if the teams are tied, it's first to eight. Uh, this means that every game ends on a make. And it also means that there's not just a parade of fouling and timeouts and everything down through the end of the game because the teams just keep playing basketball. It's a lot more interesting to watch. Um, I frankly would be in favor of the NCAA tournament going to it. At some point in the future, once they get all of the kinks of it ironed out, um, it, it just makes the games more interesting. If what you really like is to watch teams shoot free throws at each other for one minute of gameplay that spans 15 or 20 minutes of time, then you're going to be a little bit disappointed by it. But if you like to watch basketball, uh, you should be excited. There's teams from all over the place playing in it this year. you got Best Virginia who is representing West Virginia. Florida has a team. Ohio State has teams. Um, there's a, a team of elite players from overseas uh, who have chosen the very creative name of Overseas Elite. Uh, Remy Abel, a former Xavier player, is playing for Sideline Cancer, uh, which obviously is trying to raise money to Sideline Cancer. And Xavier's Zip Them Up team uh, is raising money for Brian Grant's uh, Parkinson's Foundation.
0: All right, um, so I guess the the question is that on Xavier's zip them up roster, um, this is going to be mostly <clears throat> former players, um, and obviously there are going to be some names that are pretty familiar. They did uh, a series of videos over the summer, um, if you guys were on Twitter, um, where they announced each player as they joined. Uh, but Trayvon Blewett, Sean O'Mara, J.P. Makira, I mean, massive, massive oversight, not Larry Austin Jr. Um, but, Brad, who else is on the the zip em up roster?
1: So just a real quick names-only rundown of, of the players. I'll start with the Xavier guys. It's Trayvon, JP, Smosh Christen, Sean O'Mara, Mark Lyons. Uh, awesome get there. Jeff Robinson, Brandon Randolph, and I'm saving – a shock announcement from last night for last CJ Anderson is going to be playing this year, they also have two non-Xavier players, Kale lock and Tony Criswell. Um, and that's going to round out the roster. Karen Cantor was initially on it as was Kaiser Gates and Sterling Gibbs, but, uh, Kaiser Gates, agent recommended that he not play, um, as he really thinks he has a shot to step up into the NBA next year and wants to focus on that. uh, I'm not certain why Gibbs and Cantor aren't able to play. Uh, Cantor actually, I believe, just finished his season in Greece and received the most votes for regular season MVP over there. Gotcha.
0: Okay. And then also, um, from what I've read, B.J. Raymond is practicing but not playing. Is that right?
1: Yeah, B.J. Raymond was uh, practicing in the five-on-five drills, and B.J. was always a – a husky lad, on um, that hasn't changed. But it was a, uh, it was really good to see him back out there playing again. Uh, he, he shaved his head, but he's immediately recognized recognizable as being BJ Raymond. Uh, CJ Anderson deserves a lot of credit for being somewhat an older guy, but man, did he look fit playing today! Um, if you guys don't follow D Davis or him Up TBT on Instagram, uh, you should. Both of those accounts have a lot of content, a lot of videos from behind the scenes. D has been instrumental in putting this team together and he's clearly uh, very, very excited about it. For Xavier fans who aren't familiar with Kyle Locke or Kyle Locke, he played for uh, UNC Greensboro, graduated in 16, where he went to the Helsinki Seagulls uh, and has bounced around in Europe since then. Uh, he played for FC Porto. Uh, probably the first person to play for them that wasn't for soccer, I'm assuming. But I guess they must have a basketball team. Last year, he played for the Land Steady Hammers out of Zwolle, And I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right or even where that is. But he had a nice year for him. Uh, Tony Criswell will be immediately recognizable as a very large, intimidating man with a tattoo on his throat. Um, there's only two ways you can pull off having a tattoo on your throat. And that's if you look super scary and are probably massive and dangerous, or if you front a punk rock band, um, I'm not sure what Criswell's musical chops are, but he definitely fits the other one. He played for UAB in Missouri. Um, he played in Mexico last year where he had he averaged 25 points a game. Uh, he's a monster. Big, big 6'9", six, uh, six, about 260, and he'll really help Xavier down in the post, which is a place where, frankly, they can probably use some help.
0: Yeah, uh, it seems like this roster is very guard heavy. You got Blewett, you got Christon, you got Makura, um, Mark Lyons. Uh, a lot of the guys are that, Brandon Randolph, obviously. Uh, a lot of the guys that are recognizable names are guards. Um, and then Omera and Criswell in the post. Um, so uh, interestingly, I think Omera and Locke probably played together in Helsinki. Is that right? Because I think O'Mara ended up in Helsinki right after he graduated as well. So, um, but anyway, it'll be fun to watch and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So, uh, obviously, if Xavier takes it all the way, none of their games are going to be too far outside of the uh, Cincinnati area. So, um, opportunities for fans to go see players that they used to love watching and uh, get to watch again. Um, But moving on to the current Xavier iteration, um team whatever number we're on now uh Xavier's roster has gone some reshaping uh since the end of last season so the big news i guess since last time we recorded braden is uh Paul Scruggs and Kiki Tandy are both coming back can you walk us through uh i guess what that means for Xavier's backcourt
2: here and uh where all the minutes are going to go it means that the backcourt is still very crowded we saw that last year as being uh, kind of a blessing, kind of a curse, because obviously Tandy was not getting a lot of playing time. That looks like it could kind of be an issue again, especially with Scruggs coming back. Obviously, he had a very good year last year, distributed the ball way better than he had at any other point in his Xavier career. So you got to imagine he's just going to keep building. DeWan Odom had a very good freshman year. Colby Jones can play that guard spot. And then you've got, you know, Nate Johnson, who was on fire most of last season before picking up an injury. And Adam Kunkel, who, despite having a bad three-point shooting season, shot over 60% from inside the arc. So there's going to be a lot of depth at the guard spot. Um, You got to imagine that there's going to be a lot of small ball lineups out there, especially you're losing Brian Griffin and Jason Carter. Um, So who knows, maybe Coach Steele will go with kind of a uh, just shoot threes. Line up here with Fremantle playing as like a perimeter five, but there is going to be a lot of lot of guard minutes uh, out there. Maybe not a whole lot up for grabs, but there's a lot of depth there right now. Um, and then you are bring in uh, Jerome Hunter, who is uh, another dude who can shoot decently. He's not really a, a a straight up guard. He's a little bit taller at six seven but he still shoots pretty well from the perimeter and he can slash a little bit. So uh, where those minutes where, uh, where he's going to pick up minutes? I don't really know right now. Uh, But then Jack Nunge, I think is how we're pronouncing that uh, also comes in. um, And he, he's a big guy who played last year behind Luca Garza at Iowa, had a really solid year in um, some limited minutes. Uh, One of his uh, similar Comparisons on Ken Palm is a 2015 James Farr. If he can play like 2016 James Farr this year, that would be amazing. Um, blocks shots really well, rebounds really well, um, and shoots a very high percentage inside the arc, but can also step out a little bit. So that's kind of the the roster shifts right now. It is going to be interesting to see where all those guard minutes go and then kind of how those transfers fit in. I think Nunge will be a really big get in that department um, for his Interior defensive ability and his rebounding ability because Fremantle believes in neither of those things, so he should be able to slot right in there. Uh, but for Hunter, I don't really know where his minutes are going to come in, and then I'll let you guys talk about the freshmen that are coming in right now.
0: Yeah, so um, that that's the two transfers Xavier got in. Uh, Nungi, I think is how you say it, actually, is uh, coming in from Iowa, and then Hunter coming in from Indiana, so both Big Ten guys. Um, which I mean. That's where Remy Abel came from. I don't know. Kind of makes you think. Uh, Anyway, um, so those two guys will come in and uh, both be eligible immediately to play. Uh, And then you have the two freshmen that are coming in, Cesar Edwards and Elijah Tucker. So Brad, um, what are those two guys' games? Uh, How do they break down and and where do they fit into this?
1: Honestly, it's kind of hard to figure out where the it's, it's exciting how many guys Xavier has coming back, but that does kind of, I think, limit where they're going to be able to get uh, their freshman in play. Edwards uh, is a big guy, and Xavier is not deep in the post, so I figure he'll have more opportunities. The problem is he's very tall, 6'10", but he only weighs 200 pounds, um, which when you spread that over 6'10", is is quite thin. Uh, That makes him somewhat the size of Deontay Miles. And we've seen how Miles has struggled to get onto the court and really impact games. Uh, Tucker is a scorer. He can play a little bit, but he profiles almost as a player like Jerome Hunter, the difference being he doesn't have a couple or a year of basketball under his belt like Hunter does. Um, I'm not sure where the freshmen are going to get on the floor this year. This is not the banner recruiting class that Steele has had before, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, and that he needs to let guys like Dwan Odom, Colby Jones, and hopefully Kiki Tandy grow into their spots um, as well as fit in this other stuff. And with Xavier's recruiting class for next year coming in, um, Steele elected to, I hesitate to say take it easy, but didn't bring in as many guys or as uh, high-star players as he did last year. Uh, Tucker's known for having a high motor that could get him out on the floor. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure what the team is going to look like three through five. Um, we've talked about all their guard depth. It's piecing that together Whether, they're, like you said, they're going to use guards and smaller forwards down there and use Fremantle as a five at all times. If they're going to try to build around Deontay miles, if they're going to try to play something with Ben Stanley as an undersized four with uh, four guys outside of him it will be interesting to see Edwards and Tucker have a chance to work themselves into that rotation. But I think that is pretty open. And I also think that the parallels between Xavier's current roster and their TBT roster are kind of striking, really loaded at the guard positions, not quite sure what's going to happen uh, down low. And just a quick correction, Brian Kale lock played with Remy Abel in Helsinki. And I think you'll remember that team as being led by 36-year-old Tuka Cotty, uh, who can forget the year that Tuka had back in 2018.
0: There it is. All right. Uh, I know I never will. I, I, I'm i sitting here in my Tuka Cotty jersey, and I can't believe I disrespected the man like that. He is a man, right?
1: Yes. <laughs> he appears to, me, he's, okay. appears to be a Caucasian male with a shaved head, looking okay. real finished in this picture. Um, I, yeah, I
0: was gonna say. Um knowing what I know about Finnish names, I never wanna assume. Um, anyway, uh yeah, so I mean that that is obviously roster crunch is a big thing this year, but looking ahead to next year, um, Coach Steele already is, which is why he gets paid the big bucks, is he's betting there's gonna be a twenty twenty two college basketball season, too. And uh the man's a visionary, what can I say? Um, he already has signed up two uh, top 100 recruits in Cam Craft and Tyrell Ward. So, uh, Brad, I know you uh, you wrote the article about Ward committing. What is Xavier getting in
1: him? Uh, Xavier is getting in him an, a player. Uh, Tyrell Ward, uh, the one thing I guess that he really can't do is he's not a great outside shooter. Hopefully that won't be as much of a factor. What he can do is kind of a little bit of everything else. He can guard from the four up. He probably won't play as a five. Uh, Probably can't guard a five. He's about six, seven. And you know how recruiting websites are. So he's somewhere between six, seven and six, five. He's lanky, but he's not super thin um, along the lines of some of the other guys. Xavier has brought in. He also put together a really neat picture of himself saying that he was 110% committed. So that's good. you hate to have guys who are only a hundred percent committed and which he's standing with his foot on a basketball in front of a BMW I eight with an enormous moon, I guess, rising behind the Cincinnati skyline. Um, his graphics department is very good, but he can play, he can get to the rim. He can, uh, distribute the ball. He's quick. He can go either way off the dribble. Um, he's not going to be limited just off of his right hand or off of his left. Um, He's kind of in the mold of one of these positionless basketball players that are starting to uh, become all the rage. Once his three point shot comes around, um, he profiles as the kind of guy who doesn't spend his entire career in college. Um, If it doesn't, even if it doesn't come around, he can really play. Um, He's a huge get cam craft kind of plays the same position, uh, but he plays a little bit differently. Craft is definitely a shooter. Um, He's also quick, not quite as skilled defensively, but these are two offensive weapons that Steele has landed. Um, They are there to score the basketball. Both of them do that exceptionally well. Kraft can really, really shoot it um, and can also get to the rim. I'm excited about both of them. I think Cam Kraft could really, really be a player for Xavier. Um, He's exciting the way his shot opens up his ability to drive uh, is something that Xavier hasn't had a player quite like that in a long while. I think if he plays well, he could be, uh, and this is going to get derision from the Najee haters, but he profiles out of something like a Najee-like player who can score from all three levels when that jump shot's going.
0: Yeah. um, The thing I'm most excited about is when you watch his mixtapes, he does seem to uh, be a a bit of a JP type (laughs) where the opposing fans are really going to hate this guy. Um, And I love it. Um, I absolutely love it. So, yeah, um, not just because, you know, he can shoot, but he also seems to enjoy uh, his opponent's frustration with his ability to shoot. So, anyway, uh, you do you, Cam Craft, and we can't wait to see you do you uh, in a Xavier uniform. Um, okay, so a couple questions. The first, I think, is going to be the question that everyone asks about Xavier this year, and that is, um, this is going to be year four of Travis Steele's uh, Xavier career. Is this a make-or-break season uh,
2: for him? Braden, what do you think? I do don't really think it is, mostly because of how topsy-turvy the last season was. He had the team playing very well um, before their first COVID break. Uh, then they, they lost a couple games, took another six or seven COVID breaks, it felt like, throughout the year, and just could never establish any sort of shooting rhythm. Uh, they just looked really disjointed at times, which is understandable when they weren't getting shots up or practicing together as often as they usually would especially in, you know, January, February, towards the end of the season when the results started to go bad for him. So I think that, you know, as much uh, hate as he gets on Twitter for how bad the team played at that time, I don't think that really factors uh, a huge amount into his job security because that was really out of his hands. I, I think this year, um, with it being a more normal season, it will, you'll have a few more, uh, It'll definitely be more on him. Uh, I don't think it's a make or break season, but I think it will be. It, it's kind of getting to that point for him. I think it's going to be a good season for the team, but I thought we'd be good the last two years, and look where that landed us.
1: Um, I I pretty much disagree with that. Ah, uh, I think definitely. this is make or break for Steele. If you look back at Xavier's uh, recent history. Their worst three seasons since Chris Mack's really bad year in 2013 have been the last three seasons. Um, There are reasons for that. Braden's absolutely right and the injuries last year as well as the COVID break. uh, Nate Johnson's injury especially really hampered the team because they lost uh, their premier outside shooting threat. Ultimately, though, the coach needs to get wins, and right now Travis Steele is looking more like Steve Wojciechowski than he is like Chris Mack or Sean Miller. Um, he needs to do something this year. Xavier ha- has to make the tournament, I think, or he is going to be uh, escorted out for the first time in a long time that a Xavier coach has not uh, chosen when to leave. But uh, Xavier is a name program now. They play in a name conference. They need to get wins. He's got good recruiting classes in. He's got good transfers Uh, I don't see that there are any excuses for him this year, unless of course we have another worldwide pandemic, which hopefully we will not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna probably get some angry tweets, but I'm, I am hoping there are no worldwide pandemics, uh, in the next year. So I think, uh, it's probably closer to being a make or break season than it is to not being a make or break season. I like Coach Steele, and I think that he is a, a good basketball coach and will improve as a basketball coach. Um, and so, I don't, I don't want him to fail. I want him to succeed at Xavier and be here a really long time, but. I know all the reasons. You know, there have been injuries. There has been roster turnover. There's been all that stuff. Um, But the fact is, when you're the head coach, it's your job to overcome all those things and find a way to win. And while he's done that really well, I think in some instances, um, especially toward the end of his first and second seasons, um, he's not done it enough, you know. And I think this year, He brings back, I mean, he has Paul Scruggs, who's a fifth-year senior now. Uh, He has an all-Big East performer in Zach Fremantle uh, down low, and he has a really talented roster to work with. Uh, I think this year is where we're going to see whether he can make it work at Xavier or not, Um, and I really want to see him do it. I really do. I I like him both as a coach and um, he just – I like the way he portrays himself uh, in the media. Um, but, yeah, it is definitely uh, time to time to make it back to the tournament or uh, there are some real huge questions that need to be asked. Um, so I guess we've covered this a little bit, but basically Xavier has five new rotation players. When you consider two freshmen, the two transfers, and then Ben Stanley, who only um, played in three games last season, I believe. Um, how do they get those guys into the rotation? I mean, do they shorten? Obviously Griffin's gone, Carter's gone and Wilcher is gone, but that's three dudes leaving two of whom didn't really play that much last year. And you have five guys coming in. Do they, do they put a shorter leash on people like Fremantle and Scruggs? Um, And Kunkel a little bit toward the end of the season started just like playing absurd numbers of minutes, um, partly because everybody else was hurt. But I mean, is that realistic? Is he really going to play Paul Scruggs 20 minutes a game or how does he fit these five guys into the rotation, Brad?
1: I don't know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that is the shocking insight you come here for. Uh, That's why Travis Steele makes a lot more money than I do and probably doesn't record podcasts from inside his closet. No, I I think that you kind of hit on one of the ways is that Zach Fremantle can be on somewhat of a shorter leash for those times where he decides that defense is optional or that three-pointers are just the coolest and that's all he's going to shoot. We sound really down on Fremantle. He's a great player um, when he does what he does well. Well,
0: you guys are really down on Fremantle. The only thing I've said about him is that he was all Big East, which he was, which I predicted. So you guys can, you can say we're down on Fremantle. You're down on Fremantle.
1: Yes, I have been. Um, I'll own up to that. I'm really excited about Ben Stanley. Um, I think he brings some of that old school Xavier style to this team. Um, He, I think we said last year, he reminds you of CJ Anderson. If the ball's on the floor, Ben Stanley's going to be there after it. Hopefully after it this year, he was there before it because his knee had quit on him. Um, He's aggressive. He wants to get to the rim. He's got some of that fun old man game inside. He can also shoot the ball and he's deceptively quick for a guy who's built like he is. Um, I really think that he's a, a kind of guy who can have an impact in the big east because he's just he's solid and he's quick. Um, he's gonna be too strong for uh anybody who's a bit of a poser at the three or four. I don't know how you <laughs> feel. <all> <laughs> Yes. Dawson Garcia is maybe exactly who I was picturing. Um, I don't know how you're going to fit all these guys in. This is, this should right now be a deep team. Um, that's exciting because depth really was a problem last year. Um, we've barely even mentioned like Colby Jones. I mean, he's coming off of the kind of year that he's definitely going to merit time. Dwan Odom really started to come into his own here at the end of the year. Um, one would hope that somebody like showed him a video of a jump shot so he can start practicing one. Um, But he's,
0: (laughs) He hit that one uh, three against
1: Butler. (laughs) If, if he could just stop looking surprised when they go in, I think that's the, that's the first step, you know, in an open gym, you never want to let them see your weaknesses and looking shocked when you put up a jumper and it goes in uh, kind of, lends some credence to the idea that maybe you're not a great shooter. um. But he's going to play because he can – I mean, he blocks shots as a point guard, and he gets steals, and he really runs the team well. Um, I was really impressed with him as a freshman. I am hoping that both freshmen that come in this year can redshirt um, because I think that that would give them some chance uh, to add a little bit of muscle to their bodies. Xavier should be deep enough anyway, and I also think that that really leads – Uh, to continuity in the team that we had last year, just kind of picking up Jason Carter's minutes um, and wish wish him all the best at Ohio. Uh, I really hope he has a great season there because that guy deserves to go out on a high after playing hurt most of last year and getting unrelenting abuse for it. But I don't know how they're going to make this rotation work. Um, It'd be really exciting to see him go, you know, 10 deep at 20 minutes, but that's not going to happen. Paul Scruggs needs to be out there. This team's better when Paul Scruggs is out there. Nate Johnson's going to play a lot because he does everything, um, including Duncan Talk, which is fun. Colby Jones is also going to play a lot. I I could list seven guys who are going to play a lot. Unfortunately, they're probably only going to let Xavier play five at a time. Um, If if Coach Steele can convince him to let him play six or seven, then I really think that'll start jumping him up, those coaching echelons that we were talking about. Um, That'd be a huge move for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you you talk about, uh, yeah, this team's depth. Deontay Miles, if you look at his physical tools, he could be an absolute nightmare. He's not put it together necessarily um, in the time he's been at Xavier, but um, you think a guy with that kind of length uh, will be able to block shots and he can run the floor really well. I mean, Adam Kunkel, Braden mentioned earlier, there's just so much depth here and it's going to take some 5d chess i think for coach Steele to get everyone their minutes um but the fact that he met with kiki and then kiki came back indicates to me he has some idea as to how he's going to do that um i'm excited to see how that plays out so um the last thing i guess to wrap up the olympics start this week which i found out today um, <laughs> Uh, which is probably going to give away my answer to this question, but what Olympic events are you guys excited for?
2: Brayden, we'll start with you. I love watching the swimming events uh, every time the Olympics are on, Uh, partially because it's just impressive to see how athletic those people are. Obviously, watching Michael Phelps at the Olympics just clean up every year, growing up was really fun but there's one specific memory I've got from watching swimming. And that's when we had just moved into the house that um, I'm still in living in right now. And Brian and I were watching the four by one freestyle relay. Um, and there was a much more serious discussion going on in the room uh, behind us. And our TV was set on the ground. We hadn't even gotten it mounted to the wall yet. And we watched the USA Uh, team come from behind against the French, and Jason Lezak pulled back, I think, like a second deficit on the the French anchor leg, and Brian and I were forced to celebrate in complete and utter silence whilst jumping up and down and high-fiving, but that's one of my favorite memories of watching sport in general, and especially the Olympics, so I don't know if we'll get anything quite that exciting this year, but, you know, a guy can hope. Uh, The swimming's always very fun to watch.
1: Um, the one event I'm looking forward to most is the, uh, cycling men's road race, just cause I, I really like watching cycling, but I always love to watch the sprints. Uh, because like I go out and run and then sometimes I think I'm running fast. And then I watch these guys sprint and they're making like all the same arm and leg motions that I do only, they just go so much faster. And it's just real. I think, One of the really cool things about the Olympics is to watch somebody do a thing that you can kind of do, but just do it on like an otherworldly level. Um, I loved watching Usain Bolt all the time. So I'm looking forward to that. I am kind of bummed by the Olympics this year. Uh, It's disappointing that some athletes have gone home already. Some elected not to go um, because there aren't going to be fans. And obviously that's a huge part of the Olympic experience. It's going to be, I'm not quite sure what the point of the opening ceremony is. I guess, to introduce the athletes to themselves, but there won't be any fans in the stands for anything, and that's really a bummer. I um, wish they could have figured something out, like maybe move it here to America or something, not to be super ugly American about it, but um, so at least people could watch these guys and uh, girls who've worked so hard to be at the very top of their athletic you know, they're at their athletic peak at like the thing and there's not going to be a soul there to watch them. I mean, even families can't go to watch. So um, we're not going to see any like tearful hugging or somebody doing a victory lap with the flag this year, because it's just, it's going to be like practice kind of only with other nations there.
0: Yeah, that is, uh, you know, the two soccer tournaments went on this summer, the, the European championship and the Copa America. And Typically, I like the Copa America better um, because uh, I I just like the way South Americans play better. But it was a worse, much worse viewing experience because there were no fans there. And at the European Championship, they had fans, whether it was a good idea or not. Um, You know, where they were packing like 8000 people into one bus in Baku (laughs) and. you know, (laughs) putting them all in the stadium anyway. Uh, but I I think that's going to take something away from it. I really do. Um, it's just so sterile, I guess. Um, I don't necessarily, none of the summer Olympic events are really appointment viewing for me. Um, I'm much more of a winter Olympics guy. Um, give me something where you put something deadly on your feet and then <laughs> go around uh, a, in a circle real fast with a bunch of other people bumping into you um that's the that's the high stakes tension i like in my sports where it's like if this guy falls and like kicks his leg up as he goes down it could end poorly for all of us um but anyway i guess javelin you know if somebody gets real wild with it um i'll have to tune in i'll have to see <laughs> um They're at the Olympics. They probably know where it's going better than that. Um, But I do like watching it. You know, I like um, because these people, uh, for most of them, you know, for like, I don't know, basketball, probably. Well, the USA basketball and uh, some of the soccer teams, those people, this is not their biggest thing. But by and large at the Olympics, this is the pinnacle of each of those sports, you know. Uh, people don't tune into like the track and field championship every year, um, the way they do to watch track and field at the Olympics. So it's great to see, um, the the publicity that these people get, um, and uh, so yeah, I mean, I like the running and the swimming. Uh, not a big gymnastics fan, but um,
1: well, that's too bad. You're going to get eighty-five hours of coverage of it.
0: I know, I know. They're going to be like, watch her do another somersault actually that one girl uh simone biles who like can do nine thousand flips in the air that's nuts <laughs>
1: yep. pretty convinced she can actually fly
0: right <laughs> Where like she like gets in the air and then like starts looking around <laughs> and she's like oh right come down right okay sure <laughs> if it keeps up appearances that i'm human i'll do it anyway um so i'm excited for it though um, although not excited enough that I knew it was starting this weekend until somebody was like, are you excited for the Olympics? And I'm like, yeah, in like two years, they're like, nope, try this weekend, bud.
1: Well, um, you know, actually it, uh, it started today, uh, not to further really shock you here, but the, the Olympics have already started, uh, softball well, what, and
0: soccer. The opening ceremony is on Friday, right?
1: Yeah, the opening ceremony is, but there are tournaments going on already, and the U.S. women's soccer team has already lost. I saw that. Nice. Yes, an exciting development for everyone. I hope my wife is not listening at this point in the podcast. Does anybody listen? My
0: my wife's not listening at any point in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I've got that going for me. I can say whatever I want. Anyway, um, I think that's as good a place to wrap up as any. Uh, so shout out to uh, Brad's wife if she is listening. Um, I would shout out my wife, but I know she's not listening. I'm not going to waste them. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we will continue to keep up as uh, Xavier plays through uh, – well, not Xavier. Zip him up plays through the basketball tournament, and uh, Xavier gets ready for the upcoming college basketball season. And uh, we are looking forward to covering that and uh, interacting with you guys while we do so again this year.